This is why we love racing in all its forms. That's King of Swing fighting, though. Oh, he's a superstar, a champion pacer. Untaps in front. Untaps holding on. What a win. Untap from the RSMC. And it's very elegant. Ten group bumps. And now the greatest of them all, the Melbourne Cup. For the next hour, RSN is cracking the codes. Yeah, I waited for an extra ooh, Dan. You're on to me. You're on to me. Welcome, everyone, to Cracking the Codes. I love that opener. I'm not sick of it yet, Simone. No, it's a great opener, isn't it? I love it. Yeah, it gets you up and about. It even gets Dan up and about. It does. It's good to have all three of us in here together. It's it's not as hard getting up at this time of the day. Some days, I've enjoyed it. A lot to look forward to. Maybe it's that spring in the step. We've had a couple of 20 degrees this week as well, Mm. and Maccabi Diva Stakes today gives us a real sense of spring and... There's so much going on around the place as well, and my second favourite harness identity is joining us this morning as well. Who's oh. the first? You, Dan's my favourite. <laughs> oh, oh, isn't that sweet? Just Although to clarify that. It's a, Kim, a friending is not a distant second to you, so you want to oh, keep on no, your toes. No. And so. look, with all due respect, I'd happy to be silver medal there. Um, Kim has got a new role at Harness Race in Victoria, and uh, we're going to chat about Tornado Valley uh, last week and uh, uh, a horse that's going to lead out the field for the Victoria Cup with a really good connection to the Victoria Cup. Kim is going to have information on and she's got a lot to do with that, and a few other bits and pieces too. So she's enjoying a new role at Harness Race in Victoria, and we're enjoying having her on, cracking the code. She'll be one of our guests this morning, along with... We've got Corey Smith joining us, who does racing and media management from both the Meadows and Hillsville, the Hillsville Cup tomorrow. It's a pretty sharp unit, Corey. Yeah, he's got, there's two, Corys out, two mm. Corys out at the Meadows, but this is a, a different Corey as to the Corey we had last week. Oh, sorry. So <laughs> the one I said to sharp units... The different Corey. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, new Corey. I'm talking about old Corey. Oh, well, we've got two totally different roles, so he's going to join us to chat about the Heelsville Cup tomorrow. So we've got the, the Prince of Heelsville, we've got the Queen of Harness Racing, and we've got added royalty with a king. The king. Gee, you're onto it, Dan. You're always coming up with these little connections. Yeah, most Isn't of the time clever? they don't really work, but <laughs> that one clever. was not too or, bad. Is, or they're understood. No, that's right. <laughs> uh, um, Stephen King was one of the great jockeys, of, and he was very hard for the media at times in his jockey era. I know you had an, a green light with him, Dan, because you're special. That's why you're my number one harness person. But Stephen <laughs> King... always got the green light on. Stephen King... Oh, see, very this good. Is, this is enormous so far. Stephen King was a superstar of a superstar era. Damien Oliver and Stephen King were, were mates, including a bit of nightclubbing with M. Stewart back in the day. Uh, but they were fierce rivals, absolutely fierce rivals. There was the Friedman, uh, Oliver Camp, the John Maher, Stephen King Camp. Occasionally, Stephen King got a ride for Lee Friedman to the point where he won a f- quite a few group ones for him. And one of those important rides he had was a job he had to do on Maccabi Diva through a spring carnival to keep her on track and warm the seat for Glenn Boss. And he's going to reflect on Star of the Realm and Maccabi Diva, his little cameo on Maccabi Diva in 2005. So mm. looking forward. And he's doing really well with a small team as a trainer. Yeah, and it's pleasing he to see. He needs the media now. He you needs need the media. those winners. Melton tonight, there's a couple of Group 1 races, but there's a fascinating story. Oh, let's listen to the replay of a horse called Mr. Zion winning the Australasian Trotting Championship. Dr. Hook in front of Vulcan. Mr. Zion coming home. Then now Dollywood. Dr. Hook in front. Mr. Zion pegging him back. Dr. Hook and Mr. Zion. Dr. Hook in front. Mr. Zion's lunging. Oh, he might have got it. He may have got up Mr. Zion. There's nothing in it. Mr. Zion started life as a pacer. He won 24 races all up, 15 of them as a pacer, including a Group 1 South Australian Pacing Cup. He also won a Mildura Cup. Um, 
and then he swapped gates to become a trotter and won a Group 1 as a trotter, which is phenomenal. So Mr. Zion, trained by Jeff Webster, won a Group 1 as a pacer and a Group 1 as a trotter. And in my time, I can't I remember trotters running against Group 1 horses like Mary's Idol did and Scotch Knights. But never, never mm. like this. Not in my time. It's happened before, but well before my time. Well, speaking of people, speaking of people starting off as something, our friend Matilda from last week has started her life in our eyes as a ride to timer, Simone, and she did really well at the Valley, didn't she? she? Yeah, she came third. She was 0.036 seconds off the optimum time and 0.07 off winning the overall title. So coming third, that's how tight the top three riders were with their precision. Also, we lost a stud dog during the week, Fabregas. He was a... A terrific stud dog from Meticulous Lodge. Um, he served nearly a thousand bitches, and his pups earned around forty-five million dollars. So we said goodbye to Fabregas. Um, he won the the national sprint. He kicked many goals well. too. He's yeah, a great he did. player for he Arsenal did, and did. Spain. Won a World Cup. Dan, there's been a litany of great winners of the uh, of the Maccabi Diva slash Craigley, and we're going to have a listen to one, and then uh, Kingy's going to join us afterwards. Who are we going to have a listen to? Uh, he's one of my favourites at the time, but he was probably even more famous off the track as the sire, the great Zabil. Zabil went to the front, go pack out after him, and down the outside, our sacrosanct, followed by King Sai behind those pay game mystery. Zabil in front for Michael Clark, go back trying to wear it down, our sacrosanct down the outside, Zabil a length and a half in front of go back and our sacrosanct. Sabeel still a length in front. Go Packers flying very hard. Sedestin gets to third. Sabeel in front. Sabeel wins a neck. Go Pack second. Sedestin third. Our sacrosanct. What a run it for. Kingston rules. Well, and then he went on to start and became the super daddy of them all, Sabeel, Dan. Yeah. He did. He Indeed he did. But it was a great era. Great horses were winning it. Great jockeys were winning it as well. And I reckon one of the horses with the biggest stride I ever saw, Stephen King rode in the 1992. Then Craigley, it was star of the realm. And uh, he was very much a star of the era, and he's a star of the training ranks now too. I've noticed his strike rate's up too. Uh, g'day, Kingy. Hello. Very well, very well. Congratulations on the recent strike rate. That's what it's all about, isn't it? You've got to strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, well, look, it's only a small little team, but we're, we're trying to play somewhere where they can be competitive and win races. So uh, at the moment, we're at the, the bottom uh, bottom part of the market, but who knows? We'll just have to wait until a good one comes along. You'd kill for a star of the realm. Uh, we don't have a replay, but just remind us, I remember that there was the naturalism uh, uh the, the battles with naturalism, there was the D. Oliver naturalism, S. King star of the realm, and I think you used to run into each other down at the Banana Alley with me and a few others back in the nightclubbing <laughs> days as well, so it does go back yeah. a while. Tell yeah. us about star of the realm, about the horse in general, and about this particular one in the Craigley. He was a he was a giant striding horse, wasn't he? Oh, he was all legs, very gangly. Um, you know, I came through with him from his maiden, um, and he basically had to slowly put it together, but he was just all legs, Matty, and um, you know he's one of those horses that he could find trouble pretty easy because of his awkward action. So um, that day when the Craig was a pretty good win because he was able to get out and stretch himself out uh, and hit the line really good. But no, he's a really he's a really good horse on his day, and you know, he proves that when some good races. You meant, uh, mentioned he, he sort of met trouble at different stages, but Flemington suited him. That long straight was really made for him. Yeah, he needed a big flat track. I mean, he was a big horse, so a big flat track suited him. Nice uh, nice turns leading to the straight and a big long run home. So uh, that was his sort of track. He reminds me of Saintly. Like, Saintly and Star of the Realm. Saintly was probably the slightly better version of Star of the Realm. Giant, big, leggy, flat track Flemington. Flashy white colours on them as mm. well, yeah. 
The Reddens own Star of the Realm, and they own the Manor House in Bacchus Marsh, Kingy. Uh, I don't know whether you're aware of the Redden family, but there's this the oldest house in Bacchus Marsh is the house that the Reddens owned, and the descendants of them uh, race Star of the Realm. It was the John Marr era. It was a fascinating time, wasn't it? Just take us back to that era, too, with... Uh, Flemington was the epicenter for you and Ollie and everyone else, and you were with John Marr at the time, and uh, uh, John Marr's still still kicking on, which is fantastic, but it was an amazing era at that time, wasn't it, for great horses and great jockeys and great racing? Yeah, it was. I mean, look, we came through, uh, I was a couple of years old, and then and, and Damien, and um, you know, he joined up Lees, and I was with John at, at Chiquita Lodge, and you know, we both had a little teams going, and they were pretty strong. I mean, they were the benchmark of Freemans and Ollie because they were paid all the horses. But um, you know, we, we put up a decent fight back in the day with um, probably horses not as quality-wise, not as uh, well-bred as uh, what Freemans had. But we uh, we put up a good fight. We had some great competitions together and even John and Lee used to muck around together. So uh, every Saturday, back in those days, they trains used to come in the jockey's room. So it was a little bit different. So I'd They'd be in the jockey's room with us. And, uh, John Marr in a jockey's room. <laughs> well, you could hear him coming a suburb away sometimes, couldn't you, oh. Steve? How, how intense was the rivalry with, between you and Damien? I know you were kind of mates, but how intense was it when, when it was you against Ollie, basically? Well, we used to sit next to each other at Flemington, so we were sitting down together in the jockey's room, and then we'd go out and we'd kill each other. So uh, <laughs> it was great, great fun. I mean, um, and the competition was strong. We were very competitive, but we both had great respect for each other, and and we loved it, you know, we, we used to look for each other in a race and uh, make sure we sorted each other out. <laughs> Stephen, you've been retired from riding as a jockey for the, about the last six years or so, about 2016 that you retired, but 54 group wins, group one wins, I mean, that's quite a phenomenal statistic. Uh, when you began your career, was it just the aim to get a couple of group ones and it just kept snowballing from there? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, I sort of hit the ground running once I was sort of... Uh, once I moved to Flemington from Epson, um, and as I was starting to come out of my apprenticeship, it just sort of took off from there. And back in those days, you know, you had so many good trainers at Flemington that, you know, you just sped off them. And and uh, even when Ollie wasn't riding for Lee, I would sort of fill in the gap. And it was really great because, I mean, I think I rode probably in North I probably rode 10 group one winners for Lee at the time. So, um, yeah, it was very lucky, very lucky. Gee, and, you know, champion apprentice, Steve, but the champion apprentices of that time, when you think about it, it was the golden era coming through a Darren Gatsy, yourself and Damien, um, and, you know, some of the, the other champion jockeys that progressed from there that were around you. And that I reckon, at least in Melbourne, at least in my time, that would have to be the most competitive bunch of young jockeys that have emerged from apprenticeship to... Uh, senior ranks that that I've come across. Well, Blake Shin and Nick Ryan came hot on the heels, didn't they, Kingy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, they're good jockeys too. I mean, look, it's a different era, I suppose. And I mean, if you look back in those days, you know, we had some, you know, Mick Dittman and Jimmy Cashney and Shane Dye and Greg Hall and so on. So it was it was a very competitive time. And I mean, if you look back at those races too, I mean, it was a different riding style. I mean, back in those days, I mean, the fact that you know, if you were stuck three deep in a race, you wouldn't have the ride next start. That, that's how it was. Um, where now, that, that's accepted now with um, the situation, the way racing is now, where people, you know, you can sit three deep and keep the ride. But where back in my day, that was it. You'd lose the ride. So um, it was a very competitive time. You had to get in, give every horse every chance to win. And, and if you didn't, you were taken off. And Stephen, you really experienced the holistic um, life cycle of racing, becoming a jockey, you're now a trainer. You've got your son who's a jockey. Um, 
Can you just give us an insight? And you've just mentioned about how different it was back in the day for you. Um, and now, you know, your son Lockie, if he's sitting three deep, it's not so crucial. Can you just give us an insight into how it was back then um, and how or instructions you were given and now instructions that you're giving your son or his trainer might be giving him? Um, just so we know that the differences really because it sounds like it's worlds apart. Well, I think too. I mean, the field sizes were, were full back in those days. So with big fields, it created speed where today you've got smaller fields, which takes away tempo in races. So it makes it a little bit different. So um, yeah, obviously tactically it's a lot different and, and it's more acceptable now if you jump out just stuck three, that will it's no, no big concern because trains now seem to be accepted a lot more. But yeah, back then obviously in big fields with good speed on, they expected you to get a, a posse and uh, give your horse every chance not to be covering too much ground. So um, as far as Lockie's concerned today, yeah, I'm quite comfortable sitting back watching races now if they're sitting three deep. As long as you've got cover, um, yeah, I don't think it's too much of an issue. And the cambering of tracks is different as well. Uh, you mentioned you rode probably 10 group ones for Lee Freeman. We will talk about Maccabi Devi, a little cameo stint there in a minute as well, but one thing that's completely different now uh, to then, and you mentioned all those great jockeys and the riding styles, is the advent of the female superstar. And that wasn't the case back then, was it? No, definitely not. No, I mean, it's a different style of riding now too, obviously, without the, uh, we call it the persuade, I suppose. So, um, you know, it's a different style of riding now. So it's not necessarily a major tool in riding. It's basically there just to steer the animal and keep safe. But back then it was a completely different ball game. So um, it's more about balance, your balance, keeping rolling forward, and and, that, and just urging your horse along and making sure you get the best out of them. In retrospect, did you think the hard whipping era made them try harder or run faster? Or when you look back, do you think? I know a former great jockey who always told me that most of the time when he whipped them, he felt he felt them curl up rather than extend. When you look back at that era, was it an effective as an effective a tool as you thought at the time? No, probably not. I mean, look, it's a little bit cringe-worthy, you know, worthy watching some of them old replays. But, I mean, the thing was back then, Matty, it was expected. And, um, you know, back then people expected to do it to, to, keep, to get the best out of your horse, where, you know, it's a completely different world now. We live in and we accept and it's and it's spot on what they're doing now. But, um, yeah, I mean, back then you'd lose the ride if you didn't get the persuader out and ask your horse to give you everything it's got. So... I mean, different training methods now. You know, they're not trained necessarily with the persuader anymore. So it's a little bit different style of training now. Um, so it's a bit more of a sit and sprint. So they get the best out of them no matter what without the persuader or with it. Craig Lee Stakes was the former name. And, of course, when Star of the Realm won it um, and, and Zabil and, and the replays that we've looked at previously, uh, it was the Craig Lee Stakes and um, it was a famous race. Um, but it was uh, renamed after a very famous horse and a horse that... You had a bit of a connection with Steve, and who knows, it could have even been a greater connection, Maccabi Diva. Yeah, exactly. And I was lucky enough at the time. I mean, I spent a lot of time, as I said before, you know, involved with Lee in different stages of my career. And um, at the time, yeah, I was involved with Lee and riding other horses. And, um, you know, I was always, I've, always, I've always been a good team player. I've always loved working in a stable environment where you when you're close to the horses and um, and basically, yeah, Lee said, look, you know, you can ride her and I can't think what boss he was doing. I think he was chasing the group one when he was in Sydney or something at the yeah, time. Yeah, it was a Sydney um, obligation he had, yeah. Yeah, and I think, um, yeah, so basically I just filled in and Lee sort of said to me, look, this is where we're at and I sort of knew where we were at because I'd, I'd been involved with the stable and 
my job is just to go out there and look after her and make sure she comes out of the race unhurt and make sure she has a good run. And, and if she wins, she wins. She doesn't, so did. it. But, you know, she went out there and she was, you know, as we know, she, how good she was. Memzi and Turnbull were the two that, that stick out to me. Uh, and as you just touched on, you, you, you were there to play a role, weren't you? Because it was all about her progression towards that third Melbourne Cup and staying on track. So it was a slightly different role than normal that you played was to, A, look after the mare, get her around safely, win if you can, uh, give her the right sort of hit out with the next aim coming up. So there was, it was a specific role that you played as part of a bigger team, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I was there. As I said, you know, the main thing was get her through the race. We wanted to see her eat up the next morning and make sure she had a decent hit out and uh, and press on. So that that was my role. And I mean, I knew her pretty good. I dealt with her a lot and been on her back, gallop and so forth. So um, I knew exactly where her preparation was at. So uh, yeah, I was wrapped to be involved with it, you know, with her because I mean, but what a great opportunity to be involved with such a superstar. I was. I used to go down to Lee's a lot down at Markdale when I was ghost riding for him, and I was standing there in the box at Markdale, Kingy, and uh, Maccabi was there, Alingi, Lazagaletta, Mummify, they were all down there at the time, and I said to him, is she a big horse, Lee? Well, what's she like? He said, well, come down and, and we'll stand beside her, and I stood beside her, and it was like standing next to the Rialto. She was a surprisingly big mare, wasn't she? What, was that your impression, and what, what was she actually like to ride? Yeah, I mean, she wasn't that really big on her back. She was just well put together. And, I mean, the fact was, you know, like all those good horses, you knew you had a, a big engine under you. So she was very relaxed, great temperament, went through the motions. But when you put the foot down, you just knew she was just going to extend. So, um, you know, you watch Bossy Rodder in those Melbourne Cups. And, you know, the, the fact that he had so much confidence in her and he knew she'd have a turn of foot, um, it was just amazing the way he rode her. So, um, and she'd always get out of trouble. Those sort of horses, you know, if, if you get caught up in a bit of traffic, you, you can afford her to sit there and wait. You know, when you ask her, she's going to find you. Know? She had a, a probably a distinguished career, and and we know that she won three. But the horse that you rode uh, to win the Melbourne Cup, let's alone, she sort of was a bit of a, a flash in the pan. But while she was in that flash, she was unbeatable. So it makes me wonder what you thought of let's alone. Uh, uh, against a, a Maccabi Diva. Oh, the big Physically, question. they're, the they're big quite question. different, obviously. Yeah. Very yeah, athletic. but Yeah, different horses, obviously. But, I mean, look... Let's nothing would have beaten Let's Elope in that... Sp- well, nothing did beat her in that spring. That that sort of 12-month period, she was unbeatable. Yeah, she was... Um, yeah, that... No doubt. I mean, look, she was a different, completely different horse. She was probably double the size Maccabi, in all fairness. I mean, she was a, she was a monster. Um, where Maccabi was a lot smaller, but... Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I'd hate to sort of... Uh, well, you would have loved to see them race together, but, yeah, I, it's hard to say who would have won. But, um, obviously, Let's Lope needed firm ground and needed things going her way where you probably show what she could do on, on both. Fairy King Prawn. I'm trying to get to the best horse Stephen King ever rode category here. Did you ever ride Shaftesbury Avenue? No, no. I didn't ride Shaftesbury, no. no. Was... Costa would have probably been one of the best, but we oh, never yeah. probably got to see the best of him. Um, was retired early, obviously. Hey, just before we let you go, um, what an amazing thing for Dad to have a son win a Group One race as Lockie did with uh, in that amazing story with the Derby with Dennis Pagan, and it, 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 it not many of us can relate to that that level of accomplishment with our kids on a sporting field. Uh, what, how do you describe the 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 Lockie story from a from oh, a yeah. p- p- parent's point of view? Yeah, it was it was amazing because the fact was we're in the middle of COVID. And- 
and uh, not a bit to do with with um, you know, the situation behind the scenes as far as Lockie kept asking, "What do you think, Dad? What do you think?" And you know they got the extension on him, and he was all something. He was jumping good out the gates, and then Lockie said he was, you know, was going to put blinkers, and that was all a bonus. And then obviously we went through the race. You know we had an A plan, the B plan, and, and pretty much um, it went spot on. And, and to Lockie's credit, the pressure of uh, riding him and all that sort of thing. I mean, he, it was just a 10 out of 10 result. So, um, no, I was absolutely thrilling to win a derby. Not easy to win. So, um, yeah, no, he's on his way and he'll find, he'll find another horse down the road and keep himself on. Yeah, and you'll find one to get you out of 58 grade as a trainer. Well, yeah, that's my aim. I've, I've been winning a few maidens and a couple of benchmark 58, so I'm, I'm soon going to break out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, good on you, Kingy. Thanks for being part of our reminiscing about the Maccabi Diva Stakes and uh, great to reflect on uh, the, the Ollie rivalry and the great era of Flemington back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, hey, best of luck with the next one, mate. Thank you very much. Loving their racing, pacing and chasing. Matt Stewart, Dan Maliki, and Simone Fisher. Cracking the codes. Indeed we are. Kima Frenning's our next guest. Kima's been working in Harness Race of Victoria uh, full-time as community engagement and community uh, p- partner. So I'm actually not sure what that exactly means, but I know one thing. She's passionate about her horse racing and through the connection with, with the hero, the life after racing, and she's been getting some horses to the track, and it's just got that great feel about it. I love ex-champions or great horses coming back to the track and, and representing the industries and whether they're coming back in a, 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 a different area, whether it's you know retraining, equestrian, whatever it might be, even if they're just looked after and loved by uh, their owners and then come out to parade. And we had Tornado Valley last Friday night come out and some of the pictures in the scenes were just beautiful. It was heartwarming. There was one particular photo uh, opportunity, it was on Trot's Vision, of Kate Gath giving Tornado Valley a kiss in the um, in the parade ring and another one on the track when she was there with Vacation Hill. And it was just stunning. And um, Akeem is going to make another announcement about a champion horse that's going to lead out the field for the Victoria Cup with a really good uh, connection and a few other key things. Kima's with us this morning. Thanks, Kima, for joining us. How are you? Thank you guys for having me. I'm I'm really well and I'm really excited to be uh, to be on the show again. <laughs> Last time I saw Kima, we were on the roof at RSN. You have to brag, don't you? We found the roof. <laughs> we did a photo shoot and I filmed it on my phone. That's how good these iPhones are now. It was publishable quality because of Kima, of course, but... We found all these bowels of this building, Kima, and took a lovely photo to promote the Inter Dominion, didn't we? Yeah, we did. It was a, it was a great view up there. I was, uh, I'm not scared of heights, but I, uh, I I get a little bit nervous. So it was very high up, but um, it was a great view, and yeah, it's uh, it was great to be on as well. Well, it's a good segue, isn't it, to promoting things and promoting harness racing with community engagement and all that is sort of the area that you're finding yourself in now. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's really exciting, and um, you know, when I sort of gave up training and driving, I, I never really wanted to leave the industry. So to be able to, um, you know, be given this opportunity is is great, and I've loved um, every second of it. I've been here for six months now at HRV, and I'm I'm really enjoying it. And, and still with a bit of a hands-on role with the, with the horses, isn't it? And the connection with horses that you know so well or have seen. And um, I just mentioned the Tornado Valley, um, which you organised uh, to have him on track on Friday night. 
And and it was so endearing. I mean, I've, it's something I've tried to push for for a long period of time and celebrate our champions as every other sport does. Um, and there was just some beautiful moments there, Kima, on Friday night with Tornado Valley. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, when I sort of finished up and was going to start at HIV, there was a couple of people that was asking me, oh, don't you, won't you miss the horses, you know, but... I've got five of them at home that I just that I've raised or, or you know driven or trained and that I just can't part with. So they're they're very much in my life and you know to be able to um, work with Tornado Valley the other night was incredible. So it, it's great to still be able to sort of have horses around me even if I'm in an office environment now. And yeah, Tornado Valley the other night at uh, Melton was just great. I mean, I was there and I was filming him sort of coming up the straight with Kate and. It honestly brought tears to my eyes because for them to be able to be, you know, reunited on the track again in his life after racing and she's still driving was just absolutely beautiful to see. And and like you said, people want to see these champions. Like, they just want to... I felt starstruck. You know, I got a photo with him and I felt a bit starstruck standing next to him because he, you know, he was obviously such a good horse. And, um, yeah, you know, to be able to get more of them um, to the track where they've, you know whether there's races that have been named after them or um, races that they've won in the past. People just love coming there to see them. Kima, it was only about eight weeks ago we had Warren Cochran on Cracking the Codes talking about Tornado Valley's life after racing and his preparation with getting him under saddle. And I was so surprised in the turnaround in the horse. Obviously, he's been to Melton many, many times, but to be ridden down the track is a little bit different to having that sulky on him, something that he's very familiar with. And... I was blown away too, and you know I cry easily, so these guys now know. <laughs> and I, she's crying I, now, I Kima. Had, I had tears in my eyes too. It was <laughs> it was so beautiful. I you know I it connects and resonates with me on every single level, being a horse person myself. So it was it was wonderful, and I think if we can get this message out and have people come to the track the first time and make a connection between racing and an afterlife, it's the only way forward. I agree, and I think. Um, you know, these standards, one of the best things about them is how clever they are. And they just know, like, I was speaking to Kate um, before Friday night and she was saying he's... Because they've always sort of had a little bit of trouble with travelling him. He's always been a really nervous traveller. And she said they took him up to a pony club and said he travelled like a dream. So it's like, you know, as soon as they know that they're not in that competitive environment anymore and they've got a perform type thing, he's just been... You know, his demeanour has just completely changed. And he, he got to the track and he just completely fell asleep. And um, he got a little bit edgy got, coming up to the track. But that's, you know, expected because he was such a competitive horse. But, yeah, to be able to see him out there and, and just really enjoying life after racing. And like Dan said before, I just love that we can portray and, and um, not portray, but promote our industry in a really good way where, you know, because we all love our horses. That's why we're, we're in the game. And, and to be able to showcase that is uh, incredible. There's, there's sort of two communities, though, isn't there? There's the immediate community of the harness community, and you mentioned Trot's vision and, uh, you know, showcasing it to the community that already exists. But the biggest challenge, everyone, Kima, is uh, engaging with the community beyond the racetrack, and that's the local community and the, the disengaged community, the community that doesn't enjoy it yet but may. So I guess that's the challenge, Kima, isn't it, is to conquer both communities. For sure, for sure, because we've sort of, you know, we've already got the harness racing uh, community and industry, and um, for us to be able to really showcase harness racing in a good light and 
Um, I, I think by, you know, bringing old champions to the track is just going to do that because it really shows how much we care for our horses and uh, how well looked after they are, whether they've, um, you know, whether they've been champions or not, whether they've, um, you know, finished racing or not. We all just love our horses so much. And, um, you know, the massive credit to um, Team Gas and also Tasman Potter, um, Cassandra Troon, who's done an amazing job with Tornado Valley and sort of, turning him around um, in his life after racing. It's just, yeah, it's great to see. And and people do enjoy it. There's no doubt about that. Um, whether they know something about um, horse racing or they don't, they love the animal. But they need to be put on show, a, a, a stall, where people can go up and take photo opportunities, know which time that they're going to be in the parade ring and have a promotion prior. Like I, I had something come out from Tapical Park promoting the Victoria Cup in the last couple of days, Kima, and the horse we're going to talk about in just a moment wasn't even mentioned as being one of the stars there to lead the field out. And that disengagement, the lack of connectivity between Tapcore Park and the harness racing fraternity irks me at times, you know. That should be front and centre of the promoting of that night. It's got to be promoted broadly, though, doesn't it? Because there is, you know, I, I guess it's yet to be established um, what efforts can be made to actually, you know, it's all about funding and marketing budgets and things like that as well as uh, reaching out beyond what you already know. And I guess that is, going back to that point, Kim, it is, it's about how, how do we go about actually stretching the engagement further than within that bubble of even the community and what they enjoy on the night at Tabcourt Park Melton. So I guess that's the next challenge, isn't it, is what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, I think by getting horses like Tornado Valley to the track, who's been um, such a successful horse, if, if, if anyone is sort of, you know, oh, 50-50 and whether they want to go or not, if they hear that, you know, a Tornado Valley is going to be there, that might be enough for them to, to you know, to tick over and say, right, oh, I'm going to go because I really want to see him. Um, get a photo done, give him a pat, get up and personal, which there's no reason why they can't do that on these sorts of um, uh, events, days or nights, Kima. Absolutely. And our participants, you know, that are bringing these horses along are always more than happy to, you know, um, put these horses out for display and, and for people to come out and, and have a pad. And, I mean, th- th- it's enjoyable for them. I know that if, if I had had a horse that was close to Tornado Valley and people wanted to come up um, and take photos of him, I'd take pride in that. And I'm sure everyone else is. So all of our participants are always so happy to... Um, you know, for people to come up and give him a pat and a photo and chat about him. I, um, we were having a chat the other day and you've got an announcement to make. We sort of let the, the cat out of the bag. Again, that's not really an appropriate um, old uh, saying, is it? Cat out of the bag. But anyway, you know what where I'm What was it doing from. in the bag in the first place? I'm going to have this replay. A horse that won two Victoria Cups and he might be one of the draw cards uh, for the upcoming Victoria Cup. Lenny the Shark is stacking them up. He's travelling well. Led three metres by Field Marshal under pressure. Yaya's hot spot now through to second. Tiger Tara gives chase. Into the straight though and Lenny goes for home. He goes to the centre of the track. He's nicely clear of Yaya's hot spot. Tiger Tara and Amaretto and Lenny does it again. Lenny the Shark wins. Second Amaretto, third Tiger Tara in fourth spot. One of the most recognisable names certainly in recent years. He won two Victoria Cups and and Kima, uh, we're going to see him again on the big night, Victoria Cup night next month. Yeah, we are. I mean, it's, just, it's obviously so exciting to be able to get a horse like like him. And 
um, it's he. I think he's always been known as sort of the people's horse because people just loved him, didn't they, when he was racing? And uh, I don't know if it was because of their name or, or you know, he was obviously such a tough and an absolute warrior um, on the track as well. So um, to be able to get him to Victoria Cup is absolutely amazing. And I'm biased too because I had a little bit to do with him when um, I was working at Ake and Ake was training him. And, um, you know, huge thank you to Kevin Risley, Carol Risley, and also Jake Stockton who's standing him at Wingate Farm right now. They've all been very positive to the whole thing and they're going to bring him down and, um, you know, more than happy for people to come down and pat him and, and lead the race out. So it's going to be great to have him there. Really looking to, forward to the Victoria Cup too, Kima. I know you've been involved with the pony trots in recent times and um, they've got a pony trot race and I know one little girl who's looking very forward to it. She thinks she wants to do the Inter-Dominion, but I said we'll start with the Victoria Cup. But um, I just think what a, a great night to have so much going on and the people in the suburbs around Melton, hopefully you get, like we've talked about before, a new audience and just having that engagement, being able to pat the horses, I think that's the number one way to let children pat the horses that may never ever and it sounds ridiculous but there's children that have never touched a horse mm. they've never seen farm animals you know they've lived in the suburbs and um, that's all they've really known so I think if they can actually pat the horse get a photo the parents go and show all their friends and and that I think it's really the way forward and to have the little participants on the track that night too it shows that you know, racing, the face of racing has changed and um, we're looking for that next generation and supporting it and having the little ponies go around. I think that's another element that just really engages people who may never have been involved with racing. Kimmy, you've got to help Darcy out. She's referring to Darcy coming up a, off a back mark, I think, in the pony trot. What's the key? How important is the getaway going to be for, for Darcy from the back mark? Yeah, I mean... Um it's obviously important, but um, they're now racing over a longer distance, which give them a bit more time to, to catch up to the pack. So I, I've got full confidence in Darcy. She's done a great job in the races that you know I've seen her in, and um, I've got full confidence in her and the pony. But, yeah, they've just got to get away cleanly and keep their horses balanced the whole time. And uh, it's going to be great to see them on Big Cup night. And, and like you said, Simone, there's going to be so much happening outside of the races. So... Vic Cup is definitely going to be such a good night to go to. We'll have, like you said, pony trots. We're going to have the hero horses there. We're going to have um, ponies there for people to interact and pat with. They um, lend me the shot. There's going to be so much happening. Was There's Tony Hur- market on track that, is that night too? Yeah. Was Tony Hurler he the Ice Man? Who was yep. the Ice Man? And then Gavin Frank Lang. Cooksley was in the if Gallops World. And Darcy, Gavin Lang. we want Darcy to become the Ice Queen. We want her to become oh, the five back the fence and not panicking. Other connotations with that. Um, so we might have to find something a little more appropriate. Well, it doesn't have to mean anything else other than, you know. When, you, did you ever panic when you were like five back the fence on a hot favourite? Did you ever get five back the fence on a hot favourite? Yeah, yeah, a, a couple of times. And uh, every time I was there, I was thinking, I am not a Gavin Lang. I, I won't be able to get, get myself out of this situation. So uh, five back the fence is definitely uh, not a position that I was happy to be in. <laughs> But, um, yeah, 
I was fortunate enough to drive good horses that made me look good anyway. <laughs> oh, well, I think you'd be looking good regardless, even if you had bad horses, came here to be fair. But you mentioned uh, David Aiken are working. <laughs> just with, ignore him. Just with, ignore uh, him, Kima. With, with Aches. But he's going through his own battle at the moment with prostate cancer, new front and centre. Uh, with the awareness uh, this month and the support from Harness Race in Victoria uh, to support the Prostate Cancer Foundation of uh, Victoria. And we're thinking of Aches as we, we talk about it now. Absolutely, and it's just great to be able to um, partner up with the PCFA. Again, it's, it's such a good course, and, um, you know, I didn't know a lot about it before I started on, on um, this month's um, campaign, but, you know, having spoken to Ake as well, it's like a, it's such a silent disease because he, he only sort of, you know, he only got blood tested because his wife Colleen told him to, and he, he felt as fit as anything and healthy, and he never sort of... Um, skip the beat so um he was only fortunate enough that colleen told him to get to you know get a blood test and they found out that way so i think if you're sort of in that age bracket it's really important to go and get tested and and, and um push that because it doesn't necessarily have to be that you are suffering or that you're feeling ill or anything like that it's um it's really important to to go and get tested and david's been an amazing ambassador this month for the PCFA alongside with Chris Alford and Greg Sugars. And, um, you know, he's been more than happy to share his journey and talk about it and talk about the importance of getting tested as well. So to have those three ambassadors um, there is, is amazing. And we're going to have a prostate cancer-themed race night at Melton on the 17th of September. Um, this month we've also engaged in something called uh, The Long Run, where the PCFA is encouraging people to run, walk or wheel 72 kilometres and to um, donate money and raise funds for the, for the foundation as well. So uh, we'll be encouraging people to run laps around the track uh, in between races on that night. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just great to be able to partner up with them again and, and, you know, really raise awareness for this course. How many races are on Saturday night? Ten. So that's ten opportunities, Dan, for you to, between races, run a lap. I used to do it, you know, quite a few years oh, ago. I used to be a, a kickboxer as well, apparently, Kima. We're going to go, yeah. Maybe we need a cracking the code um, uh, competition. I'm more aquatic. I could swim a lot. i tell you who does, uh, I've seen run around during the course of the long days is, is Kate. Kate doesn't mind having well, She a, never stops a, a, running. No, she doesn't. But I, I used to do yeah. it at times because there used to be 40-minute gaps and um, I used to keep semi-fit then um, and uh, before you know the Achilles and stuff started giving away but I did do that um, uh, at, at times it was a good way to to get around the did the you ever see Dan doing it Kima it was pre-Kima uh, days <laughs> pre-Kima yeah I've never seen Dan doing it but I've got no doubt he can and and um, Kate Gus is uh, on our team as well and if you want to sign up it's not um, you know it's not too late if you want to get a crack in the code team uh, within our uh, the long trot team you're more than welcome to to try and you know raise awareness and funds for the cause but Dan I'm looking forward to seeing you on the 17th of September uh, running laps around the track for sure Lycra <laughs> oh, no, no come on is it an acronym for that a mammal yeah, a middle aged yeah. man in Lycra this might be your resurgence Dan off the I've back never of worn Lycra just for the record never worn Lycra 
I, even when I was fit and looked like an Adonis, I still never I never will because like those cyclists out my, out my front door on Beach Road every day are, uh, are in the way and they're all in Lycra, so I'm anti-Lycra. Yeah, but you're just sitting there. It'd be weird for them running past and walking past. Kima, we've drifted again. Man. This We always drift in conversation and go, get off topic. We always get off topic. Uh, Matt seems to okay. became a very important cause and you mentioned there's a few avenues for people that can sign up and even if they're not able to get involved, involved themselves, they can support the people and the teams in Harness Race in Victoria through the month of September uh, with the Prostate Cancer Foundation of Australia? Absolutely. They just go to the long trot and search... No, no, sorry, sorry. The long run and then search the long trot. Our team is there and whoever wants to donate or participate and be a part of it, it's definitely not too late yet. We've got got pretty much the whole month left, so... Um, whoever thinks they can do 72 kilometres or more, more than welcome to join up or just donate. Because, I mean, like I touched on before, it's such an important cause and I think to, to really just speak about it and raise awareness about um, how deceptive it can be and, you know, you don't really have to be sick to have it. I think it's, it's really important. Um, Kima, your story is so fascinating. Uh, such an exotic story. It came from Scandinavia, uh, and then came out and drove these great champions for a small period of time, and now you've got a desk job, even if it's an exciting one. How are you? How have you adapted from being a, such an athlete and competitor uh, to to sort of being more desk bound these days? Yeah, it, it, it took a little bit of adapting. I'll, I'll have to admit, it's very different, obviously, to working uh, in a stable to then go to an office environment, but. Um, it's just an industry that I love so much and I'm so passionate about. To be able to stay in it is uh, is really good. And, um, yeah, I'm sort of ready to, to hang up my colours. And, um, yeah, to, to get this opportunity has just been absolutely amazing. And I still reminisce and I still watch replays and, and you know, uh, I, I do miss it, but I, I'm really excited to be a part of it in a different way now. Forgive my memory. What was the superstar that was going to go in the match race with Lockheed? Ride High. Ride High. And, and Kima, you drove Ride High, didn't you? I did. I did. I was fortunate enough to drive him in five races, and he oh, has to be one of the most exciting horses I've ever sat behind. Like, he was just. Yeah. Uh, What's that? What was it like? I mean, he was supersonic. He was unbelievable. What was it like sitting behind Ride High? Oh, amazing. Like, it's. And. and you know, when you, you sort of you have all this build-up going into those races because he was just an absolute superstar. But then when you're sort of out on the track, it's just you and him. And it's just the best feeling in the world to be able to have been such a small part of, of his journey and his career. But, yeah, to say that I've, uh, I've won five races on him is something no one can ever take away from me. <laughs> what was more exciting, standing on the top of the roof with Matt Stewart in the RSN building or... Driving right high to winning. We both races. know the answer to that, and <laughs> someone's got to run second. And on this occasion, Kim, it was right high. But <laughs> <laughs> as exciting it was to uh, get up on that rooftop, it's uh, it's one of the most thrilling feelings I've ever had to to cross the line on right high. So I'm sorry, you're going to have to run second on that one. I'll, now, cop, I'll accept that. Now I know where those handprints on the back of your jacket came from <laughs> <laughs> when she attempted to push me off. <laughs> 
Kima, thanks for joining us this morning. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Lenny. Everyone can come out and photo opportunities and, and we'll, we'll promote it and have a, a, a video tribute to him while he's on track as well. And I mentioned that email out from Tapical Park. They did mention about the on-course market and there's food trucks and pony trots, but I would have liked to see Lenny the Shark entered in that as well because for me, that's what would bring me out, seeing Lenny taking a photo, giving him a pat, and uh, being a part of the love for harness racing as you are indeed thanks for organizing it and look forward to uh, more of the superstars i think uh smoking up maybe and you know maybe even sokiol or something along the lo- those lines that we might hear a bit more about from you in the upcoming weeks and months definitely definitely we uh we are trying to go out and and do a um Film a feature on Lance and and his two champions in Smoking Up and Sokiola just before the Smoking Up sprint. So uh, hopefully all of that you know uh, comes to fruition and and uh, we can really showcase these champions because it's what it's all about. You know we've got to celebrate uh, our, our current horses, of course, but also the horses that's just been such good horses for the, for the sport and the industry as well. So very much looking forward to it and thank you so much for having me on and, and keep up the great work. Well that's usually our sign off towards you. Thanks Kami. You'll be up. We might get you on here when one of us are missing you can be the, the replacement. Might, How would that fit? We might start referring to her as cracking the codes as very own Kima Frenning. How does that sound? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, up, I'm always up for a challenge. <laughs> Kima thanks for joining us again. Uh, we'll catch up soon and keep up the great work. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good day. Loving their racing, pacing and chasing. Matt Stewart, Dan Malicki and Simone Fisher. Cracking the Codes. We are cracking the codes this Saturday morning and we have some straight racing. Matt, you'll be very pleased to hear about tomorrow at Healesville, the Love Healesville it. Cup. I know you're a massive fan. You didn't make it out to the Waterloo Cup, but perhaps you make it, might make it to Healesville tomorrow. You're going to harass me into the I Waterloo know. Cup? I they, were, they were waiting for you. I'm the straight guy, yeah, Dan. <laughs> the straight man, straight track man. But um, I must <laughs> introduce our next guest before this um, it turns into a train wreck. But Corey Smith, who is a media and marketing manager or racing manager at the Meadows and also Healesville joins us on Cracking the Codes this morning. Good morning, Corey. Thanks for having me on, guys. And yes, if Matt does want to come out uh, tomorrow, we'll certainly roll the red carpet out for the great man. 50k? I wish I had a competitor in it. Yeah, me too, to be honest. It's uh, it's pretty mind-boggling prize money, really, to, to think where we've come from, from, from not too far back to, to get it up to 50,000 for, for a Healesville Cup. It's awesome. And, and the field kind of shows the, the strength of the race is uh, is getting getting better and better with the price money increases. And three only over three hundred and fifty meters. So do the math. Twenty seconds. Yeah. It t- well. took me twice as long to read the totes out than it did to call the races. There. <laughs> there the stall gift for running in a straight line, they get less, don't they? Probably. Yeah. But There's a good marketing point. Worth more than running in a straight line to win the stall gift to win the Hillsville Cup. <laughs> yeah, but that's actually a good one. But there's two greyhounds that well, last year Ferdinand Boy took out the fifty thousand dollar bonus, so he won a hundred thousand for winning the Hillsville Cup. And tomorrow it's Typhoon Sammy, isn't it, Corey? Who's um, won two country cups already, and if he can win a third, it carries a fifty thousand dollar bonus. So um, it could be a very rich payday for a few people tomorrow. Yeah, exactly right. It's a it's a really good initiative from Greyhound Racing Victoria to to add a bonus if you can win three uh, country cups within a twelve month period in the calendar year. Uh, you get a fifty thousand dollar bonus. So as you said, Ferdinand Boy won it last year for David Gill and and got an extra fifty thousand. So it was it was the Hillsville Cup was worth a hundred thousand last year, and it is for one runner this year as well, Typhoon Sammy. 
uh, for Jason Thompson. If he can get the job done, $100,000 in the kitty. So it's uh, certainly good money for, for straight track racing, and so it should be because it's such a great, great initiative and it's a great way to watch the sport. Corey, I've, I've called a few of those meetings at Heelsville over the last you know, 12 months. It's a lovely spot. It's a really comfortable spot. There's a playground there. There's a couple of areas uh, to sit down, have a coffee, a drink, something to eat, like about three different areas, a long grass area. It's a very comfortable venue to get to. If people haven't been there before, I could uh, put my hand up to encourage them to go, and mm. I'm certain I'll have a good day. Um, you just need a little bit of uh, fine weather. but And that's the other thing. With the early starts, you're often getting the sun coming beaming across on top of you anyway, aren't you? So I can see why there, there's a lot of morning meetings there because you often get the sun. Um, it's very reflective and actually hard to call, uh, but it's a lovely spot. Um, I quite enjoy it. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, I might be a little bit biased uh, working with Hillsville Greyhounds, but I, I honestly do believe that it's the most picturesque uh, greyhound racing track that, that we have in Australia, if not the world. It's, it's, it really is beautiful out there. You, you wander up there. It's usually the, the windy roads to, uh, to get up there, depending on where you're coming from. But uh, once, you, once you do get there, it's, you're surrounded by trees and green grass, and it, it's just beautiful to, to get up there. And obviously, being a straight track, it's something a little bit different for, for the people on course, but it's certainly a great experience. And then you got, say if you've got an early meeting, then you've got the wineries and you've got that brewery in Hillsville. There's always a, you know, quite often it's about the entire package of the day, Dan, isn't it? Well, you can kill a few birds with one stone. There I go again. Another, another parlance that probably not knock, knock over a duck leg in Jew <laughs> in, at, a, at, the, at the local winery. Uh, yeah. There's a chocolatiery as well. There's a chocolatiery. Yeah, that's and probably they, where it's I would It's one head. of the very few, Corey, that actually has aniseed ice cream because my niece used to work there. Aniseed, uh, yeah, you won't get me uh, going for anything with aniseed in it, but I do do like a sample in the wineries and the breweries and that sort of thing down there. So, like you said, it's a wonderful region and there's plenty to do and the Greyhound track's just one of them. So hopefully we can get a decent crowd out there uh, tomorrow and and we'll uh, have a bit of fun. And also some interstate representation this year as well. Michelle Sultana brought her Greyhound Sacred Stance, who one in the fastest time in his heat. So certainly a contender um, does jump from box three. So it could be a rich trip for her, that drive back to New South Wales as well. So you must have been chuffed to have that interstate competitor also. Yeah, for sure. It's always nice to get a bit of an interstate flavour. And I've, it's actually my my selection for the Cup. So hopefully it can get the job done for there for New South Wales. They've, they've put in massive effort to get this Greyhound set for it. They came down uh, last week in exhibition trials and, he got a bit lost, but then he once he came out in the race in the heats, he, he jumped well, went straight to the front, and was too fast for them. He's he's a very very fast animal, and if you if you have a look on the Hillsville Greyhounds uh, Facebook pages, you'll see him as well, and he's one of the best looking greyhounds you'll see. So, sacred stance, it, it'd be very good for for Team Sultana and uh, and the owners to to come down and win a Hillsville Cup because they've certainly put in the effort coming down from I think they're up near Newcastle way. So it's a it's a long round trip and. They're, uh, yeah, they're certainly putting in the effort to win. Well, think... uh, Team Sultana, Daniel, like this, are they raising the standard? <laughs> oh, they'd make a date of it, wouldn't they? <laughs> oh, goodness me. Well, I think, guys, if we were going to choose a winner in the Hillsville Cup, we'd have to be on the red, Quinlan Vale, for sure. Definitely. And that, See, there's a promotion. I even said to Jodie Quinlan, we need to get a promotion with you, with your standard breeds, and Quinlan Bale, the Greyhound. Wouldn't that be a good cross-coding promotion? I think so, yeah. I think it would be, Corey. I think we've solved a few promotional issues this morning, Corey. I hope you're taking notes. 
I, I certainly am. I, I came prepared. I had the notepad and the pen next to me just to write down all these there's little morsels of information that you guys provide, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be straight on to that, don't you worry. Yeah, I did mention to Jodie, but look, we might just take, a, um, as we say goodbye to you, we might take a, a replay of the 2014 Heelsville Cup, Corey, and that's with Frosty JJ. Thanks for your time on Cracking the Codes this morning. Thanks for having me. Racing, poor licking out only fairly, winning it out wide, Coco Benz out fast, the inside poor licking, transcend time, they're followed by Vapor Ash, Frosty JJ, then Zulu Zircon, well back now to uh, Nick Nat Nui, and dropping back, walk hard, transcend time, Frosty JJ now looming large, going to poor licking, Frosty JJ takes the lead, it's his cup. Frosty JJ beats the kennel mate, poor licking by a length, a length and a half, Zulu Zerk on third. They were clear then, Vapor Ash, she was out wide with Coco Bins. And it was a kennel Quinella there in 2014 for Cal Greeno with poor licking and Frosty Good name, JJ. Good licking, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's a great name. Well, guys, we've come to the end of another great show and um, busy weekend. Yeah, busy weekend. Off we'll be at flame. Flemington later on flame. this morning and uh, we'll see if another superstar gets added to the annals of the history of the uh, Maccabi Craigley uh, winners list. And then we go to the Heelsville Cup tomorrow, followed by a winery, followed by an aniseed ice cream, followed by the microbrewery. And some of us might even look at a couple of Group 1 races at Melton tonight. Absolutely. See you next week.